0: Before we begin today's episode of Skincare School, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded.
1: Welcome back to another season of Skincare School. I'm Amy Clark and I'm joined by science educator, chemistry PhD and cosmetic chemist Michelle Wong, aka Lab Muffin Beauty Science.
0: This week on skincare school. So I think with Milia, the best thing to do is prevention. There are a lot of sunscreens out there and if it's falling up, that means you've got sunscreen film coming off and no longer being spread out nicely on your
1: skin. We ain't got time for a sunscreen that peels. So anything where we're kind of juicy layers, oils, all of those kinds of things, I love watching that. Am I doing it myself at home? Very rarely. I love lying under an LED light. Like nothing brings me more joy. Even sunscreen on its own
0: can get really good results because you're just protecting your skin from future damage.
1: For those who have been listening along every week, we are now at episode 12. It's our final episode for season two. How do you feel about that, Michelle? I'm a bit devo. I feel like I just learned so much from our weekly skin chats. Yeah, it's been really fun. I'm going to miss
0: talking skincare with you every week and hearing your interesting stories about how different your skin is to mine.
1: Yeah, I know. We are really like the perfect hosts in terms of different skin types, different skin concerns, and also different things that we've done to maybe impair our barriers or mistakes (laughs) that we've made along the way. So thank you for sharing those. But in today's episode, we're doing things a little bit differently for our final ep, We have received so many questions from listeners and from people in our Beauty IQ Uncensored Facebook group and also Michelle and I, probably Michelle more so than me, but working in beauty, we get lots of Instagram DMs or comments on TikToks or questions about skincare. So we wanted to do a bit of a deep dive Q and A, any topic, nothing off limits. So let's get stuck in because we've got a bunch of questions to get through. And we're gonna start with the first one, which is on layering. So layering, does it matter what order I apply my serums in? And does it matter how long I wait in between applying those layers? So I think the best thing to think about
0: is how do products get formulated? And in general, when products get made, they get optimized so that they work best on clean, bare skin with nothing else, maybe a moisturizer. So if you look at any study, that's usually the protocol, clean skin, put on the product once or twice a day, and then moisturizer. So I think if you're making a more complicated skincare routine, the best thing to do is probably apply the product that has the hardest time getting into the skin first. And normally this is a product that might have to work deeper, things like vitamin C, vitamin A, anything that's meant to work on pigment, and then put your other things on later. So things like hydrating products, moisturizers, those don't really have to get that deep. And so, yeah, if there's something else interfering with it, it's probably going to have an okay time. Now, in terms of the wait time, I think having a wait time is a good idea if you're not quite sure if it's going to work. So again, it's like whether or not it's going to interfere. And with skincare products, most of the skincare product will get into your skin in the first 15, 30 minutes. So I think, yeah, when in doubt, just wait 15 minutes and it will probably be
1: fine. And two, sometimes the reason why you might wait a little bit of time between layers, I mean, it depends how many layers we're talking here. So if we're looking at going back to our Korean and Japanese skincare episode, if you're applying lots of lightweight layers that might take a second to feel like they've absorbed, quote unquote, into the skin, you might like to wait until the skin kind of starts to feel touch dry. But the other reason why you might like to wait is with pilling and so when we're talking about pilling and we'll get to pilling in some other areas a little bit later in the episode but pilling is when you apply a product and then you apply another one over the top and as you're rubbing that second one in you kind of get the sensation of little balls and you're starting to get some texture almost like it's dead skin cells coming off or something but it's actually the product balling up so sometimes The order that you apply products or how long you wait might contribute to whether something peels, and in that case, it's about test and learn. Like sometimes products just don't like each other. And they're like, no, I don't want to be with her. Or it might be that it works better when you apply one first and then the other or vice versa. All about test and learn. But long story short, I wouldn't lose sleep over what order I am applying my serums in. You know, is there a right? Is there a wrong? At the end of the day, it's kind of in most cases, except sunscreen, which we always apply last, in most cases, it's gonna do the job. So next question is about milia. So we actually, this came up when we were talking about eye creams and so I'm really glad that we get to dive into this a little bit deeper. Do you have any tips on managing slash reducing milia, especially around the eyes? Can we just go back and explain what milia is or are for anyone that might not be acquainted yet?
0: So milia are like these little bumps that are usually around your eyes and they're little bumps that are full of white stuff and that white stuff is usually, yeah, keratin or skin cells and these are quite annoying because they're a bit hard to get out, they're not thin so you can't really squeeze them out that easily like you might with a pimple even though you shouldn't really do that that much. It's almost like a clogged pore in that, yeah, maybe you have a product that is a bit too heavy and it's stopping the cells from coming off normally. So I think with milia, the best thing to do is prevention. So be really careful with heavier products if you're prone to milia and not everyone gets them. A lot of people never get these, so it really depends. And I think if you are prone to milia, maybe you're one of the people who needs an eye cream that's. Formulated to be okay around the eyes, it won't actually contribute to this issue. The other thing I think that's really important is exfoliating. So, just having a gentle exfoliant. Be really careful because your eye area is a bit fragile. So, maybe a gentle chemical exfoliant there. And also, don't try to extract them at home unless maybe you are
1: an esthetician. <laughs> oh my lord. Yeah, unless you are professionally qualified. Do not try to squeeze or pop your own milia. As Michelle mentioned, unlike a pimple, it's actually more of like a a solid, harder collection there. If you try and pop or squeeze your own milia, there's a good chance you will either, A, create some kind of scarring in the area or you might get an infection. So always, always have your milia professionally extracted, Okay.
0: (laughs) yeah and another thing is actually around the eye area especially if you're australian like us that is actually the site of a lot of skin cancers and so what you think might be milia could actually be something else and so getting it checked out i think is a really good idea
1: We've touched on vitamin A a lot in season two, and rightly so, because it is really like the gold standard of active skincare ingredients. We've had a question come in around retinols for sensitive skin and acne prone skin, please. Do you have any recommendations here? I think my top recommendation is probably the Medicaid series again,
0: because it has those like steps built in and you can start with the really low one and then progress to the higher concentrations. My other favorite is pinacolone retinoate. And I guess this is more for sensitive skin because acne prone skin tends to do really well with retinoids. This is like a super gentle form of retinol that is just not very irritating. Sometimes you put it on and you're like, does this even work? But yeah, I think that is a nice safe start for anyone with sensitive skin to try to build up their retinoid tolerance before they start moving on to more hardcore stuff.
1: Exactly. You've kind of got to break those two concerns up in terms of, okay, how am I going to approach this? If you want to approach it from a blemish perspective, then you may end up kind of flaring up on the sensitive side. So a pick I would like to recommend for this is the Butey Pacific Defy Damage Serum. So this product has retinol esters in it. So it's, if we go back to what we were saying in our first episode of this season about vitamin A, it is a gentler, less irritating vitamin A derivative. It's not going to Give you that kind of punchy, like, woo, this thing is doing something to my skin. But it is really great for slow and steady. Once you kind of get up to, say, the end of that bottle, then you might be able to then transition to something a little bit punchier. But as always, do not forget to wear your sunscreen if this is you. With acne-prone skin or anyone who experiences pimples or blemishes, the actual blemish itself is one part of the journey and the other part is the scarring. So especially hyperpigmentation or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, those little dots that can hang around after the pimple's long gone. So make sure you're wearing your sunscreen. That will help protect the skin and reduce any extra kind of irritation and scarring that might be occurring. Speaking of sunscreen, someone would like to know, how do I fix or stop sunscreen balling up on my skin? Do I need to wait longer between applying my sunscreen and then applying my makeup? Yeah, this
0: is like a really common issue with sunscreen. So the things that you can try are applied on completely bare skin, like freshly washed bare skin. If that doesn't work, then you can also try applying it on super, super hydrated skin. So put on some really hydrating serums underneath. And then I think it's time to give up and move on (laughs) to a different sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there are a lot of sunscreens out there. And if it's balling up, that means you've got sunscreen film coming off and no longer being spread out nicely on your skin. So I think give up. With the makeup issue, that is actually sometimes a trigger for the sunscreen to ball up. And generally, the advice is try giving it about 10 minutes to set before you kind of pat on the makeup gently. That setting time is important because if you just have your sunscreen on, it's a bit like wet paint. If you're blotting it with a makeup sponge, for example, then you're probably going to soak up some of that sunscreen. And so after it's had a bit of time to settle down and be a little bit dried, then it's the safest time to put on extra makeup.
1: Really good advice. And I think to. I mean, we're so lucky now that in Australia we have a lot of SPF options. So I have no doubt that you'll be able to find a sunscreen texture that will work for you. You can also read reviews and see, you know, how people are finding it in terms of pilling. A lot of the time, if a product pills, you'll know about it by reading the reviews because people love to share those kinds of things. But yeah, most important thing is you find a sunscreen that works in your routine so much so that you'll wear it every day. So yeah, we ain't got time for a sunscreen that peels. Let's just put it that way. Ooh, I love this one. I mean, gosh, this would be really hard for you to narrow down. (laughs) Next question is around the best and worst skincare TikTok trends. I mean, do you have a best? I was going to say give me a best and a worst, (laughs) but you might like to give me two worst instead. Well, I think, like, best as in least
0: harmful, I would actually have to say yeah least harmful I would probably have to say skin cycling even though I did kind of criticize it in a previous episode but I think it's been good because it's kind of forced people to have a break from their products and I think the overall trend of TikTok is just more 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 in terms of the worst I think the worst that comes to mind is probably people derma rolling over like a chemical peel I think this was quite common with a bunch of different exfoliating products it's like was that not burning your skin enough that now you're trying to stab it into your skin and probably stab some microbes into your skin as well and i'm pretty sure i saw a tiktok where someone did that and their skin was just breaking out and flaring up and was just horrifically irritated and they were like what did i do wrong i just followed this tiktok video and it's like well yeah maybe that wasn't a good video to follow
1: (laughs) (laughs) how much time yeah what did i do wrong how much time have you got? I would say, oof, I think best like TikTok skincare trend for me is just the one that is most enjoyable for me to watch, which is those kind of like glazed donut skin routines, just because I find watching skincare so soothing. It's like ASMR for me. So anything where we're kind of juicy layers, oils, all of those kinds of things, I love watching that. Am I doing it myself at home? very rarely. Usually if I've got like a Friday night at home or like a Saturday night at home and I'll do my skincare routine at like four o'clock or three o'clock and then I'll kind of take my time with it. I really love that. Worst skincare TikTok trend among, I mean, so many that I've seen would have to be tan touring, I believe it's called, where you literally actually, hesitant to even explain what it is, but essentially it's contouring by where you place your sunscreen do not do that do not try and get a natural contour by strategically applying your spf not into it at all next question is actually i've kind of like combined a few questions here because we get asked a lot of questions about which skin treatment should I use for X skin concerns? So things like what's the best skin treatments for acne, hyperpigmentation, rosacea, best skin treatments for even like things like veins, scars, burst capillaries. And we've discussed this a little bit offline, but Michelle, what's your advice for this kind of, you know, someone that wants to know about what skin treatment should I try for my skin concerns?
0: So there is no one answer for any one person because different people have different risk profiles. So even within something like acne, for example, there's so many different types of acne, like there's deep cystic acne, there's acne scarring, and also whatever you think it is, it might not be that. So rosacea and acne, for example, get confused all the time. So I think the safest thing to do is to go to a professional and get them to assess your skin and tell you what treatments they think are best for it. And ideally, go to one who's had experience treating that particular condition on your particular skin tone, because, yeah, as someone with East Asian skin, I have been to a lot of people who do not know how to treat it, and they don't really understand how to manage the risks with East Asian skin. So that is probably the safest thing to do. There's no real blanket recommendation that can help you, unfortunately.
1: Absolutely, Go and see someone and have someone assess your skin. We spoke about this in our episode with Dr. Catherine in terms of like, how do I find a practitioner or how do I know who would be a good dermal therapist? To like check out reviews, ask family and friends, or even like if you follow a creator or you follow someone on Instagram that has a similar skin type or tone to you, DM them. Slide into their DMs and say, hey, do you have like a recommendation for a place? But yeah, definitely do your research and know that skincare alone is usually not going to get you the kinds of results you want when we're talking about these fairly significant types of skin concerns oh next question I also want to know the answer of this why do they keep reformulating my favorite products by they we're talking about (laughs) skincare brands beauty companies why why? So I think the most obvious answer would be that
0: product wasn't selling. So you weren't raving about it enough and telling everyone about it. So that's number one. Are you saying it's my fault? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So you you do God need to it. share your reviews and, you know, post about it and talk about it. Another reason is there's like a lot of trendy products now in skincare where they'll try to make a product based on hype and then sell it. And then once the hype dies down, it goes and it was never meant to stay. So I think it's just, yeah, Be careful of really hyped up products that are very obviously trying to drum up a huge amount of hype at launch and then die off because... If you love it, then it's probably going to be gone. And the final reason, which is a more significant reason now is the supply chain crisis. So there are lots and lots of brands where there'll be one component of their formula that suddenly has gone and they need to fill it. And sometimes there is no good replacement. And so they have to reformulate. They might have to make pretty significant changes to the formula. They might even need to stop producing that formula altogether. So it's kind of scary times for us. If you've got like a product that you love and will die without, it's scary times.
1: Yeah. And then sometimes I guess there are also updates in the latest technology or we find better ways of Doing something, better ways of formulating or like more effective ingredients. So sometimes it comes to that. It's kind of, I guess, like, I mean, with the iPhones, Mm -hmm. I'm almost like, is the 13 really that much better than the 12? Like, you know, these updates. But back in the day, you know, as technology progressed, we're getting more sophisticated upgrades. So that can sometimes be it too. But if you love something across any category, I think makeup is one of those categories that especially like products get discontinued a lot. Just stock up, you know, so you don't have to be without. This next question is, what is your skincare routine when you want your skin to look amazing for an event? Michelle? Well,
0: for me, what I tend to do is the night before I do a peeling gel. And this is like just a really gentle physical exfoliant that gets rid of little bits of skin flakes. It's super non-risky. Basically, my whole routine before a big event is just low risk because, If my skin is flaky, I cannot have everything mess up. So yeah, peeling gel and then I go in with a really hydrating product with a gentle retinoid and exfoliant and a rich cream that doesn't break me out. So a lot of the time it's products I'm already using, but really tiny amounts. So at the moment, my routine is I'll get the Sulwusu Ginseng Cream. I'll put a tiny bit of Medicaid retinol in it and also a tiny bit of some sort of chemical exfoliant. And then, yeah, next morning my skin will be glowing.
1: Mm, I have to say, I think like maybe you've got the technical skills to be mixing these products together. (laughs) Probably better than the average person I am very same deal methodical about actually there's two ways I approach it the first is oh shit I'm going (laughs) to an event tomorrow that's the first one where I've just completely forgotten and you go okay in that scenario it's like what can I do that's going to give me like best bang for buck most effective without yeah risking impairing my skin barrier or such usually it is a liquid exfoliant that I have used before So one that I'm familiar with, I'm not grabbing a product I've never used before, the night before an event. I'll do that. So maybe like an alpha H liquid gold or something like that, a night or two before the actual event. And then on the morning of, If it's something where I'm going to be putting effort into my makeup, I will often do a sheet mask in the morning if I have time just because it's kind of fun. I like to keep them in the fridge. It just feels really nice and helps to add a bit more moisture because I do find that my base products can kind of cling to little dry bits, especially in winter time. But if I was planning for a wedding or like, you know, there's something on and you've got lots of time, then I would start skin prep. And maybe this is a bit bougie and excessive. No one needs to do this. But if I was getting married, I would start having more frequent skin treatments further out. So yeah, probably I'd start thinking like 12 months out, I would factor in some kind of skin treatments into my wedding prep skincare routine rather than spending that money on lots and lots of products because I think more consistent, regular treatments is probably going to get me a better result than spending that same amount of money on more, more, more products at home. Speaking of skin treatments, the next question is, do we get regular skin treatments? And if so, what do you get, why, and how often? Oh, so I have to go first. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I can go first. (laughs) I feel like
0: it's like confessing my sins or something. Yeah, uh,
1: Yeah, I'll go first. I love a skin treatment and got to preface this with the fact that working in beauty means that you often have access to skin treatments that the average person would need to pay for. So, definitely need to acknowledge some privilege there. In terms of treatments that I do pay for regularly, though, I usually go and see a dermal therapist probably once a quarter, I would say. And it's for a skin treatment, very different to what I would say is a facial, which is more of, you know, the waterfall music is playing and there's some incense maybe and they kind of massage your hands while you've got the light and all this kind of stuff that to me is more relaxation whereas skin treatment is like we are treating some stuff and sometimes it's even a bit uncomfortable but usually what I like to do is I go in and I don't have like a set treatment that I'm gonna have on that day I have the therapist look at my skin they'll ask me how's my skin been since last time and they'll say what have you got coming up you know like how much downtime are you willing to put in and then I'll have something based off that I just had dermapen for the first time probably four weeks ago and I really loved that I've also had fraxel in the past for my freckles got really great results from that I would say though that those results that was probably two years ago and the results have probably like you've got to kind of keep the maintenance up with hyperpigmentation stuff I love lying under an led light like nothing brings me more joy (laughs) Then when you have a treatment and they do the peel or they do the pen, then you just get to lay there for 17 minutes under the LED. Love that. And I love having extractions done. Like I'm obsessed and I always film them because I'm like, oh, do you reckon any stuff's going to come out of these ones? Like which one do you reckon is going to come out? And I love filming them or I get the mirror and I watch them do it but if I yeah definitely the my school of thought on skin treatments is if you have the means and the time to do them like semi regularly so you know maybe yeah once a quarter or whatever, great. If you don't have the means or the time, because it is a big cost and time investment, then I'd almost be more likely to recommend going and seeing someone for an initial treatment so that they can help advise you on a skincare routine and then kind of investing more in your at-home skincare. Because it's not the kind of thing where it's like you have a treatment and then your skin's changed forever. It's kind of like the upkeep there. Okay. What about you, Michelle? I have a similar philosophy to you, but I am
0: super lazy. So I have (laughs) no regular skin treatments, even though I feel like I should try. I did get a series of Picoshaw laser treatments, but that was literally the first half of like 2021. So it's been a while and that made a big difference. And I've been trying to keep that up with the sunscreen, but yeah, I've just not really kept up my treatments like I should. I do get offered free treatments sometimes, but I think that ends up being an average of maybe twice a year. So yeah, nothing regular for me, just all my home products.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's about what works for your lifestyle, your budget, all of those kinds of things. I should also mention too something that I forgot to add in my long list of skin treatments that I get is I also am partial to a cosmetic injectable here and there. I've had anti-wrinkle injections a couple of times and I really have enjoyed having those. And, again, it's like the kind of thing where you either, you know, invest the time in it, make sure that you're speaking to someone reputable and it's part of your routine or you don't bother and either way is perfectly fine. Next one is actually a more of a sciencey question for you, Michelle, about skincare ingredients in other products. This person has asked, do skincare ingredients in makeup or sunscreens work as well as when those ingredients are in skincare products? So in theory they should, but in reality you
0: probably don't apply enough of the other products so this is like that whole spf and makeup thing the spf and makeup should be enough if you apply the same amount as the sunscreen but nobody does because nobody is going around with that much makeup on their face probably yeah so really it's just about amount but yeah if you have small amounts of skincare ingredients and makeup that can definitely work it isn't like the ingredients know that they're in a skincare product and have to go into your skin or they know that they're in a makeup product and they have to like stay out of your skin.
1: Absolutely great answer and to be extremely clear or just to really ram home that message in relation to sunscreen particularly SPF in foundation best practice is to apply a standalone primary SPF And then apply your makeup and it's kind of like just an added bonus, I think, is a good way to think about it. And same goes with sunscreens or makeup products that have skincare ingredients in. So, you know, a foundation that has hyaluronic acid in it is great and it will likely, you know, it might help with how it wears on the skin. But you're probably not going to be applying enough of it to like, oh, I can just replace this other product in my routine. So, yeah, they're nice to have, nice little extras, but probably not straight replacements, I would say. Next question is about at-home skin devices. So at-home skin devices like microcurrent devices, at-home LED, this person wants to know how they compare versus in-clinic. And first thing I would say is there are so many factors that can impact the efficacy or how well an at-home skin device works. But the short version is that any kind of tool that you can use at home is not gonna give you a comparable result to the in-salon professional equivalent purely because you can't actually operate that kind of device or machinery at home and you need to be qualified to do so. So it just wouldn't be safe. But I personally do think that if you have the time and the means and the care factor, kind of like what we were talking about In our episode with Dr. Catherine, is it's a great way to like level up your skincare routine or if you have specific concerns. But yeah, it's good to have realistic expectations.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. My main point on this is also just make sure you have realistic expectations. Most of the time your at-home devices they require more consistent use than just going to a clinic and having it done once. They work. So microcurrent devices, for example, they're really good for lifting and then maybe they could maybe improve skin, but the main impact is lifting. And with the ones that you use at home, that effect builds up over time. So if you're not consistent with it, you won't really see much of a result. And also the result is kind of limited because microcurrent devices mostly just lift particular muscles. And so if you look good with those muscles lifted, then that's great. But some people don't like the way their face looks. So yeah, it's very much just about realistic expectations and consistency.
1: Like probably the tool that I would use the most at home myself is some kind of at home LED light therapy. Trick is to do your research and Really look into um, the manufacturer or the brand providing clear information around what kinds of technology is in the tool. I think if you're shopping for a tool and, for example, if you're shopping for a tool and it doesn't give clear information around like the wattage or the power or you know, any of those kinds of details, then I would be wary. Some tools are also either like FDA approved or TGA approved. So yeah, there's just make sure you do your research before investing a lot of money in at home tools. You can also read reviews, particularly if you have a specific skin concern or your skin tone. Some tools might not be suitable for different complexions, things like that. So yeah, make sure you do your research before outlaying any kind of significant money on at-home tools. This question might be a little controversial, but what is a step in your skincare routine you can't go without and one you think is overrated? I think we can both just say sunscreen is like, let's just take that out of the equation because it's like that desert island question. Like, assume that you're allowed to bring unlimited sunscreen to the island. But, Michelle, yeah, what's a step in your routine you can't go without, and one you think? is overrated in skincare routines? So for me, I would
0: say a peeling gel is something I can't go without and is super underrated because it's just such gentle physical exfoliation. Chemical exfoliation on its own just isn't quite enough for me. This just really helps with the surface of my skin and getting rid of any dead flakes if I've had any sort of dryness. One that I think is overrated for me, because I know you love this, (laughs) sheet masks. I was like, you're going to say sheet masks or face
1: mists?
0: (laughs) It is such a sheet mask. Yeah. So my skin is oily, so I don't really need one. And I hate the feeling of it slowly creeping down my face. It's just one of those feelings that I cannot stand. It's like nails on a chalkboard but I know so many people love them and I completely support you and I wish I could be one of you, but I am not. Love that.
1: For me, I think it's a tie in terms of products I can't go without. Moisturizer, like so basic, but so important, especially if you have dry skin. A moisturizer can really make or break my skin and my day if it's not nourishing enough if the texture is too light so many things so always it needs to be a moisturizer and then I'd also say a vitamin c serum again that's something that I love for my skin some people don't tolerate vitamin c as well but given that I am such a freckly person also very fair light complexion with red hair very prone to hyperpigmentation and post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation Little spots. I love a good quality vitamin C serum in my routine. And then the step that I think is overrated, again, for my skin, would be a clay mask. And I am just, again, maybe it's because it doesn't suit my skin concerns. I have dry skin. The idea of putting clay on my skin and how it kind of starts to dry out, stuff of nightmares. But A lot of people swear by clay masks. So I feel like this really just illustrates you've got to choose products that are going to work for your individual skin type and concerns. Final question, Michelle. I mean, this is a bit of like stating the obvious, but skincare can be overwhelming. Is it possible to keep things simple but still get results? I think the easy
0: answer is just yes. Even sunscreen on its own can get really good results because you're just protecting your skin from future damage. And if you keep on mitigating that damage in 10 years, 20 years time, you will see a massive difference. So yeah, it really depends on what you want out of your skincare routine. I think most people, if you just have sunscreen and one active, will do heaps already.
1: And with that, I think we are done with Skincare School Season 2. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. It has been so much fun and such a pleasure to catch up with you every week. Thank you for bringing all of your knowledge as well as the food analogies and the truth bombs. I love your work. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you too.
0: And thank you to everyone listening and for giving us all these questions to riff off. We've
1: really loved getting to chat about skin and skincare. If you have more skincare questions, I highly recommend jumping onto the Adore Beauty Live chat function on the website. Not many people know, but we actually have a whole team of experts and product specialists waiting to answer your questions. They're in our customer experience team. So you can jump on to adorebeauty.com.au and chat to our team of real people in real time if you have more questions that we couldn't get to answering in this season. And the
0: best part about Skincare School, apart from me and Amy, is that you can always come back and listen to any of these episodes whenever you need or just if you just want to brush up on your skincare knowledge.
1: Don't forget to tell everyone in your life about Skincare School. Bye for now.